we, we self-manage and I've got team members, but it doesn't mean that I'm hands-free. Now I'm not hands-free on my out-of-state stuff, but I, it's, it's more you know, delegation. It's more leadership. It's leadership. That's what it is on my out-of-state stuff. It's, it's not me actually going there and doing the maintenance or doing any of that type of stuff. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, real quick before we get started, first of all, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on the show and for listening uh, to all my loyal listeners. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, continuing to listen and support the show. If you can go on to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen and subscribe to the show, that would be fantastic. Spread the word too. I'd love to, you know, have this reach more and more people. So if you could share it on social media or, or, or and just talk about it to other people, that would be fantastic. And the last thing is if you can go on to iTunes and give us a rating review, uh, hopefully five stars, that would be great as well. It just helps us spread the word more and it helps us get continue to get uh, really good guests on the show. We've had some fantastic guests and I just want to be able to continue to bring fantastic value to you. Go on to our Facebook page too, Pillars of Wealth Facebook page. And I'd like to hear from, from you as a listener of you know, what you're doing in business, what you've got going on, what you are maybe struggling with or uh, being successful with, and then what we can do on the show to help push you to that next level. Maybe uh, questions we can ask our guests, maybe guests that we can get on the show to talk about certain topics, certain things that are really neat. You're needing uh, some, some extra support with. So provide for us some feedback on Facebook um, and you can also share this out on, on social media. That would be fantastic as well. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a, uh, being a either new listener or a loyal listener. I definitely appreciate it. And we will get started with the show. All right. Welcome back everybody to another edition of hump day hustle, the show where we focus on business and real estate as our core pillars of wealth creation. My name is John Stiles with Bridge Realty, and I'm excited for another great episode. Today, we're going to be talking about out-of-state investing versus in-state investing. Um, so with that, here is our host, Todd Dexheimer. Todd, how are you doing today? I am doing well, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you, uh, is your household changing much with the kids now home from school or... Yeah. Yeah. That, um, so we have a, a nanny in the summer and my office is right off of the main living room, kitchen. I mean, you could probably, if those who are watching could probably see my kitchen actually directly behind me. So I am in my office most of the day and it can get a little loud and crazy with my kids at home. So at times, uh, right outside of my office, there's a little patio with a little table. Uh, at times I go out there and uh, get a little peace and quiet so I can uh, enjoy, not only enjoy some nice weather, but also have some concentration going on. So, you know, it's good though. The kids have fun and they're out, they're running around. They, they're in all kinds of sports and stuff. So they're only a home part, part, part of the day anyway. So, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. 
Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about the, our our topic today, out-of-state versus in-state. I recently was speaking at a meetup. Uh, I spoke at a meetup on Tuesday, um, and there was a, a gentleman there who, through, I think, you know, good intention, he wanted to learn a lot himself, but was kind of a heckler. And, uh, and it, it not, I shouldn't call him a heckler because he, he, he was asking very good questions. Um, but it was more of questions that maybe we could have done one-on-one, you know? Uh, but some of his questions uh, were about out of state and why out of state, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you be in state? Cause, uh, he's got friends that invest and some of them swear by in-state investing. And he's, you know, very, very good questions of, well, why I don't, I don't get why you would do that. And he asked some other, uh, very interesting questions as well. I thought were really good, um, that we probably won't get into right now, but further on down the line, you know, he was asking questions, you know, really about syndication and why syndication versus uh, investing in like a triple net lease or investing in a REIT. And um, I think maybe we've kind of hit on that before, but it'd probably be good to even hit on that again as as well. So uh, really good questions that he was asking. Like I said, it was kind of um, maybe sometimes not in place, but hey, that's all right. It, it made it interesting. It made the, the meetup very interesting uh added some he shook it up a little bit so if he's listening good job shaking it up um and uh we're gonna hit on that topic so if if uh the gentleman is listening hopefully he can learn a little bit more about why out of state versus in state yeah well i wasn't there to see this but i know that you know, it's, it's good. Sometimes when uh, one person has the question, you know, a lot of other people might have the question too. So, well, the topic was about syndication. Okay. Right. Um, so it got off topic a little bit, but that's okay. I mean, he, he wanted, he had some questions he wanted to answer and, and I was hopefully able to provide some good answers to it. Um, so so let's let's kind of dig into that, uh, John. You you invest primarily in state. What makes you decide to invest in state versus why didn't you go somewhere else? Yeah, uh, well, for me, uh, I started with what I knew, which was you know our local market, and probably you know when I started, um, I was using a a common uh, strategy that people call house hacking. So I, I, you know, moved into one of the rental units in the building and that, that worked out as a, a place to help out, you know, me have a place to live and be in, be able to invest at the same time. So that's kind of the initial reasoning. And yeah, I think uh, just other, other reasons is, is it allows me, to be more involved, which is something I like to do. Um, you know, be involved in viewing the property frequently um, and uh, taking care of maintenance. If, you know, I know that that's not the right situation for everybody, but for me, it's pretty easy to just run over the property and take care of small things. And so for me, I like being involved in that. Okay. 
Cool. And, and I think that's most people invest very similar reasons in state is because it's convenient, right? I mean, you're, if you're living in uh, the Twin Cities, uh, Minnesota, and you're going to buy some properties, it's very convenient to go into Minneapolis or into St. Paul or into any of the suburbs and buy some properties and keep them as rentals, right? Uh, you know that you can get there. If there's maintenance, you can do showings. Uh, you can talk to your tenants. You can go over to the property, drive by it, all those kind of things. So it's really easy. Uh, you can tangibly see it. So I think the, the biggest reason is the convenience is quite simply uh, that most people, and when I look back at why I invested so often in the Twin Cities and, and did not venture really outside of uh, our area for quite some time, that was why. It was just convenience. I looked at other markets uh, through my computer. I, I didn't really go to other markets um, early on, <clears throat> but I looked at investing in you know Phoenix, Arizona and other markets that really got smacked hard by the recession uh, and looked at investing there. And when I Early on, before I actually transitioned to apartments, I looked at investing in apartments in other areas. Uh, I wanted to invest in Dallas, Texas. I wanted to invest in Phoenix, Arizona. I wanted to invest in the Carolinas. Uh, and that was back in like 2011, 2012, but I never ended up doing that and uh, because my backyard was so convenient. So I think that's probably the biggest truest answer is your backyard is convenient. And that's probably the, maybe the biggest reason to invest is you can remain in control. You can potentially cut costs because you can, even if you're not doing the maintenance yourself and not doing the showings yourself, you can potentially build the team in-house um, as you grow and scale. And that allows you to then, you know, be able to control your costs, be able to control the property, what happens. Again, you can have people drive by, you can drive by, it's very easy, it's right there. So uh, those are all definitely benefits or can be benefits. They can also be burdens as well. Um, so those, those can be definitely benefits. Um, and, and here's, I think probably a, this is true yet false. So we know our own backyard, right? We know we know the market. We don't know our own backyard. Um, and why this is very false, though, a lot of times, is we think we know our market. When I was first starting to invest, I remember thinking I knew that North Minneapolis was a bad place because uh, it's dangerous and there's a lot of crime that happens there and East St. Paul. And that is maybe true. There is heightened crime in certain areas of East St. Paul and North Minneapolis. However, the whole area is not like that. And so there are great pockets to invest in. And just being local, most people would tell you to stay away. Um, my wife and I, our very first house that we purchased to live in in the Twin Cities was in an area where when we put an offer on the house and got it accepted and she was telling her coworkers, they all said, holy cow, get out of it. Don't, don't buy that house. Stay out of that area. Terrible area. 
Well, we ended up not listening to them. Very happy we didn't because it was an amazing area and uh, property values really skyrocketed in that area. Um, but that area was bad back in the 1980s and that's what they remembered as. <clears throat> so a lot of times we think we know our local markets, yet we don't. Um, one of the benefits of out-of-state investing that I have had is I've understood now how to research markets. And I understand that by investing locally, I had no clue what I was doing. I just was buying properties because they cash flowed and because they were cheap and because, you know, I knew I could make money on them or thought I could, but I had no clue where the, the areas that had the most growth were and any of that kind of stuff. I didn't know why the fundamentals were good. I just thought I had things figured out or in reality, I probably got more lucky than I got skilled. And I think a lot of local investors and even seasoned local investors, it's very similar. They have no clue about the metrics of their market. They don't pay attention. They don't know what cities have the highest employment growth and where the jobs are truly going and what kind of industries are going on there, what the demographics are. They don't know a lot of that type of stuff. They're not paying attention to a lot of the city um, you know, ordinances and city uh, planning that's going on. They're not doing that type of studying into the market, but they're still buying. Um, and an out-of-state investor, that's what you do. You really hone into the statistics and pay attention to really what's going on in the market and study it and know when to enter, know when to exit, or at least try to time that the best you possibly can. So I've ranted for a while, John. Why don't you um, come up with some thoughts of what yeah. I just said? <laughs> well, I'll concur that, you know, something bad might happen in one particular house or one particular block and then the whole neighborhood can get a bad reputation for that. And plus, uh, you know, those bad areas, they move around. It's not stagnant. It doesn't just stay in one spot and never change. Um, so you, you do have to, you know, stay informed and have an open mind and maybe uh, if you are going to stay local, you know, get out and, uh, try new restaurants that are in neighborhoods that you wouldn't normally go to or that you don't always go to or kind of you know get around so that you can learn about the ever-changing environment that we're in because it is constantly changing um, new buildings are going up and neighborhoods are changing so yeah it, it definitely and in, in, I think we locally just uh, the thing with the local investor versus an out-of-state investor is is there, there's again, there's advantages and disadvantages, but the local investors, I think a lot of them get lazy and they don't really, they just go by what they quote unquote know, whether that what they know is true or not. And so I think that's the biggest downfall with, with in-state investors, with the out-of-state investors, obviously the biggest downfall is they're not there at the market. So you can research an area and say North Minneapolis is a, high crime area and they'll go, okay, I'm going to stay out of North Minneapolis. I don't want to be there. But then they might miss some golden opportunities where the in-state person does potentially know through experience that there are some great areas that 
they should be investing in, or maybe that there's some other type of, um, you know, legislation or something going on in that area that really is going to change that area. And they want to invest there locally where somebody from out of state maybe couldn't figure that out without that firsthand knowledge. So there, there are benefits to being local, but I think the local investor, the biggest thing is don't, don't be lazy. Like don't just think because you're in the market that you know your market right? Study it, learn it, understand it. You know, we were at a conference, we mentioned that just uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, where they were throwing out statistics on our market. And they weren't statistics, they were just what they thought. And just because they're familiar with the market, I think those numbers just come out of their mouth where they might might have been true at one time, but they're not true right now. <clears throat> so a lot of us get lazy sometimes and I, I don't mean to call that broker lazy cause maybe they're not, but um, a lot of us get lazy sometimes and we just think we know our market. Yeah. Hey, I'm super excited to announce the North star real estate conference that uh, I am putting together along with a few other friends. And we are expecting to have a great crowd there. This is going to be September 20th and 21st in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities area and hey it'll still be warm and we're going to have a ton of great speakers there we're going to have uh, some motivational speakers we're expecting to have uh, speakers talking about a lot of different commercial real estate topics multifamily and commercial real estate so we want you there we would love to have uh, a great crowd there we'd love to have you there and the cool thing with this conference is all the profits are going to uh, benefit charity they're going to benefit junior achievement specifically who they uh, serve underserved uh, youth and they, they bring financial education to them they not only teach financial education, but they teach the, the kids how to be entrepreneurs, how to be business leaders, and how to really do fantastic things after they're out of school and, and moving on. So that's who we're uh, going to be benefiting. We're going to also have a charity gala. It's going to be a fun event, and I'd love to have you attend. So again, it's called the North Star Real Estate Conference. Check it out. We've got uh, links that we'll put on the show notes. Uh, we would love to have you there. We'd love to have you attend. Speaker lineup is coming, and uh, that'll be announced uh, shortly. We do have a few speakers already uh, lined up, so you'll be able to see that. We've got Trevor McGregor will be our keynote speaker. He's a master platinum coach. So you're going to love this event. We are going to just have a ton of fun and learn a bunch and also benefit a great organization as well. I will see you there. Check out our show notes for the links. Well, uh, just looking at some more pros and cons of in-state versus out-of-state, uh, wouldn't you say that the barrier to entry is maybe lower if you stay local? Um, for the most part, yes, right? If you stay locally and you build those relationships, you're probably going to have a better chance of finding off-market deals. Um, however, I think again, and all, to, all things, all things equal, 
all things equal overall across the board, in-state investing is better, right? If your market is really good, if all the fundamentals are right, if you do your own homework, if you do a good job building relationships with brokers, if you're proactive, all things being equal, in-state investing is better. However, if we've got a market where the fundamentals are really good out of state and we can do a really good job communicating with brokers. Oftentimes we're doing a better job as an out of state investor communicating with brokers than the in-state investors are because the in-state investors just assume because they're in state and they've talked to the broker and they've met them before that they're going to get the deals. They're not staying on top of the brokers. And I find that, quite a bit as I'm out of state is that I feel like I've got a leg up on a lot of the in-state people <clears throat> because I am communicating with the brokers constantly. I am aggressive and I'm wanting to not necessarily aggressive in my underwriting. I'm aggressive in how I am approaching the brokers. I'm, I'm constantly staying on top of them. And so I think that's again about being lazy uh, in-state people oftentimes are lazy, just assuming they know it all and assuming they've got the relationships already nailed down. Sure. <clears throat> so. Well, uh, let's take a, an example of like somebody who has a, a different business that they're operating and it's going well. And now they've got a little, quite a bit of cash saved up because they have, you know, they've done well in their other business and now they're getting, kind of dissatisfied with their savings rates in their bank account. So maybe they've got, I don't know, $300,000 just for an example, or you could use whatever number, but so, you know, just let's talk about how, how far could that go in, in our market versus uh, a market like uh, some of the ones that you're looking at. If they've got 300,000, how much? 300? Well, I don't take a number. I don't know. Well, I mean, $300,000 here, down payment, you're going to be able to buy um, at the most a million dollar property, which is probably what, like a six unit, eight unit, maybe, maybe up to 10 unit, you know, it depends on where you're at, right? So between a six and a 12 unit, uh, it's probably a million dollar property. Um, again, it's going to depend on the market that you're, that you're in, uh, but you could buy you know, you're going to buy the same amount, right? You're going to buy a million dollar property either way. Um, but that million dollar property in some of the other markets that I'm in is going to be a bit double the size roughly. So anywhere between about 12 and 25, even 30 unit building, mm -hmm. <clears throat> maybe even more if you're buying something distressed, you know, but again, I mean, Minnesota, you could buy something distressed there too. Um, however, we don't have a lot of distressed properties here. Yeah. So yeah, so so here, million dollars, six to twelve units. Other places, um, you can buy twelve to thirty units, probably. Yeah. yeah, and of course, the rental numbers will be different, and the cash flow will be different. But right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you gotta you gotta compare the whole 
the whole thing, right? What's happening here in Minneapolis? What are we seeing? We've got low vacancy rates. We've got some good fundamentals, but we do have slow population growth. And a lot of people think we've got this great population growth, but we've got less than 1% per year population growth. Not that that's terrible. Um, we've got higher than a half a percent. So as long as we're seeing close to that 1%, that's pretty healthy. But it's not like it's explosive at all. <clears throat> We've got higher occupancy rate, but we also have the highest amount of building that we're ever seeing too. So we've got some potential danger there. <clears throat> However, we're seeing very little single family houses being built. So that does help prop our multifamily up. So, I mean, there's, there's good things in the Twin Cities. I'm not saying that you wouldn't want to invest here if you're local here, but you just got to be aware of all the potential ups and downs that are in this market. And then you got to look at other markets. I mean, you don't want to just invest in a market. I'll pick on Cleveland, Ohio, because I don't really pay attention to Cleveland, Ohio, although I did slightly look in that market. But, you know, you, you go in and you can invest in a Cleveland, Ohio, get a 12 unit here for the same price as you get a 35 unit in Cleveland, Ohio. And you go, wow, I can get a 35 unit there for the same amount of money. But, you know, the population in Cleveland is declining. Um, you know, the jobs, are they coming in? I don't know that statistic offhand, but, um, you know, what type of jobs are coming in, all that kind of stuff. It, it, there, there might be a big difference. So we don't want to just pick a market because it's cheap and it's out of state. We want to pick a market that's got the fundamentals that we really are looking for, which is all that job growth, the pop, um, population growth, got good rent affordability. It's got good uh, things happening. You know, the city's got good things going on, good, good comprehensive plan. It's landlord friendly. Uh, those are really, really all really important things that we want to be looking for when we're looking into market. And, and is there opportunity? Is there any inventory? That's a big thing with Minneapolis. There's no inventory here. There's very little opportunity to buy anything um, that the numbers even make sense. I mean, I'm looking at 115 unit or was looking at 115 unit. And I'm off on that mark by about 35%, you know, what, what it, they think it's going to sell for. So. I mean, that's not opportunity in my opinion. So um, that's, that, those are reasons to go out of state. Um, you know, I, I, can, I can think of investors were buying properties in Minneapolis in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s. Well, Minneapolis was a declining city in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, but they were still buying properties there because they're local people. Right? And their local people are buying these properties and there's terrible fundamentals going on. Um, and a lot of people probably lost money because the city was declining in population. Now, us, our age, we don't, most of us don't really realize that and think about it that way because the city of Minneapolis has been gaining population ever since we've really been adults, you know, ever since the early part of 2000s. Minneapolis has been slowly gaining population. The Twin Cities in general has always been, or not always, but mostly been gaining population, maybe even always uh, been gaining population. But Minneapolis and St. Paul themselves had lost a lot of population during those decades. And again, local investors were still investing there because it's local and it's comfortable for them. And they think that's the best opportunity where really if they would have invested in a, let's call it a Phoenix, Arizona, 
or Dallas, Texas, or whatever, name a bunch of markets, they would have been way better off. Yep. Well, and today with the technology we have, it's easier to go to other markets. You it can is. Get, get the data a lot easier. You can go visit the properties a lot easier and just stay in communication with your management team. So, One of the things that I always, when somebody says, well, you know, out-of-state investing, isn't that risky? Um, I say, well, okay, sure. There, there is some different risks to it involved, but there, uh, in my opinion, there's also risks to be an in-state too. Like I've already said, you get lazy, you get sloppy. Sometimes you don't pay attention to the statistics. If I had never gone and started investing out-of-state, I don't think I would be as aware of an investor as I am right now. I also have learned how to delegate better. I've learned how to count on other people and, and learned how to hire property management companies. And a lot of that is learning through making mistakes. But, um, you know, I think I've become a better business owner overall because of it. Um, but let's ask a couple questions. I mean, Sam Zell, right? He's a, he's got $5 billion net worth and he's a, he's a real estate investor. He, he's the owner of one of the larger REITs in the U S where are his properties? Well, they're all over the U S. Okay. Does Sam Zell go to his properties every single day? I doubt it. You know, uh, how about Walmart? And Walmart's based in Arkansas. Have you seen a Walmart in your market ever, John? Yes. Okay. So they don't invest only in their backyard, apparently. Right. So, you know, how about Starbucks? Have you ever seen a Starbucks around here? Yes. Where's <laughs> Starbucks based out of? I don't know. <laughs> Seattle. Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> but my point is companies, any company that you know that's a national company, which is, there's a lot of them, they don't just invest in their own backyard, right? They're, they're everywhere. McDonald's, I don't think they're only in, um, I don't even know where, they ba where they're based out of right now, but I, I believe the first McDonald's were out of California. I don't think that's the only place they're in right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw one today. So, you know, it, it goes to tell you that when people question about investing out of state, well, there's, in my opinion, some very clear reasons to do it. Um, always investing in your backyard doesn't necessarily give you the best opportunities. So this gentleman's questions, you know, a lot of them were, were very valid again, uh, can't you, how, how, what's your competitive advantage? You know, people that are in state, don't they have a better advantage of finding contractors, for instance? Well, sure, maybe. Um, but I can build relationships just like they can, right? I mean, I've got local people that I hire and they can build relationships and stay in contact with the contractors just like they can. I can still go through a competitive bidding process just like they can. Uh, you know, you can't find properties just like these in-state investors. Well, sure, maybe not, but I'm not as lazy as them. So I do find more properties, you know, and some of them are better at it than me, right? But the multifamily investing world and, and any industry that you're in, quite frankly, it's very small overall when you look at it. There's not that many buyers. And now we're in a very competitive market. So people might say, crazy, there's tons of buyers. But 
honestly, the real field of multifamily investors is still a pretty small world overall. And so there's, there's just not that many buyers and they can't buy every single property. Yeah. So, so yeah, there, there's, there's advantages, disadvantages, but in my opinion, there's, there's the advantages don't outweigh uh, the advantages of investing in state don't outweigh the advantages of investing out of state. I think, I think you have to look at the whole, the whole market, the whole situation, decide which one's right for you. And one of the biggest things probably that's a deterrent to multifamily investing out of state or anywhere, any type of investing out of state is, can you travel? It takes up time. I'm going to be gone Monday through Wednesday next week. I'm going to be away from my family for three days. Um, I, I'm going to be away from my office for three days. You know, I've got to change my schedule to make sure it evolves around my trip. Can I do that? You know, that's probably the biggest disadvantage of out-of-state investing overall. Yeah. So I think uh, just another thing to, to point out is that out-of-state investing kind of forces you to really set yourself up as an actual business uh, Absolutely. where you're like running the business instead of, you know, operating in the business. When yeah. you're local, you know, you can have that option to work in the business and some people that's the right thing for them. Uh, but just realizing that they're not going to be able to scale that to a, a very large amount. And then it's, it's not always the best thing for, you know, what's going to happen if they suddenly are disabled or pass away or what, you know, it can, can become a disaster if they don't have lots of systems and processes put in place. Look, how many showings, property showings have I done? How many um, Craigslist or apartment, any kind of apartment ads have I done? Uh, how many, how much tenant communication have I had with my out-of-state properties? Zero minutes. Okay, with my in-state properties, still to this day, I am involved in that stuff. I'm not always involved in that stuff, but I do still to this day do some showings here and there. I still to this day throw in some rental ads. I still to this day talk to some tenants. Um, so we, we self-manage and I've got team members, but it doesn't mean that I'm hands-free. Now I'm not hands-free on my out-of-state stuff, but I, it's, it's more you know, delegation. It's more leadership. It's leadership. That's what it is on my out-of-state stuff. It's, it's not me actually going there and doing the maintenance or doing any of that type of stuff. So it's just just different. You like you said, you have you have to treat it like a business if you're going to invest out of state. If you don't, you're not going to have success. So you have to be a leader. You have to treat it like a business. Where in state, you can treat it like a hobby, and you can still do just fine. Yep. Well, I think that's where I was getting to with the uh, barrier to entry uh, question earlier. Some people started as a hobby and, and hopefully mm. it can eventually turn into a business and, and really truly a passive uh, income. Yeah. But uh, I think a lot of people start, I don't know, start thinking that it's going to be 
passive, but then not realizing how much work is really involved. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When, when they're in state, you mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. So anyways, um, I, I just wanted to cover that. I don't know that there's much more we, we need to cover other than if somebody's thinking about investing and wondering whether they should invest in their own backyard or, or somewhere else, they should really break down their market and decide if the fundamentals are right for them. And if, if they decide that the fundamentals aren't right for them and they have the time freedom to be able to travel and it's not a ton of traveling by the way you're probably traveling you know four to eight times a year depending on how involved you want to be and how aggressive you're trying to be um so do you have that time freedom to travel four to eight times a year for you know let's say a three-day period at a time um if the answer is yes, and your state, your city, uh, more than anything, your city isn't very lucrative to real estate investing, you may want to think about out-of-state investing. Yep. However, if you're in the Twin Cities and you do want to stay local, then call me. <laughs> call John Styles with Bridge Realty. <laughs> Yeah. No, and there's good stuff going on in the Twin Cities. I'm not saying it's a bad market. It's just, it's very difficult to find properties that pencil out for what I'm looking for. Now, I don't look for properties that are five to 20, 30 units. I'm looking for properties that are 100 plus units. I don't know what the property competition is like in that, let's call it, well, even a duplex all the way up to a 50 unit. I really don't know where the competition level is. And if you can find anything that's a value add, I'm not sure. Call John Stiles to figure that out. Yeah. We'll talk about more details one-on-one, uh, -on -one. but it is competitive, but there's deals to be had if you're, if you're just willing to, to stay at it. So. Yeah. And everybody's deals different, right? Everybody's idea of a deal is different. So. Right. Um, I have that conversation quite a bit. There's, a lot of people that their deal, their, their idea of a deal is not a deal for me. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that the deal that I'm looking at would not be a deal for them. So uh, everybody's deal analysis is a little bit different. Cool, John. Well, that's all I got. Very good. Well, uh, our listeners and viewers, we really appreciate you tuning in. Um, we'd love it if you would, uh, Join in the conversation. You can comment on the YouTube video. You can comment on our Facebook page. And I'd love to get your interaction on this. And uh, while you're at it, go ahead and give us a rating and review on iTunes. We appreciate that. Awesome, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. And hey, make every day a Saturday. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again. Go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.